In this week's show, we get stuck into an epic chat with Mini Wargaming Dave about their awesome new sci-fi wargame, Ravage Star, which you can back now on GameFound. Plus, we have an awesome prize for a lucky backer of Tiger Miniature's new base boost Kickstarter. Find out all the details later in the show. Make sure to share your thoughts on social media through Facebook and Twitter. But without further ado, your weekend starts here. folks and welcome to the weekend uh, i am joined this week by shay hey shay hello by john hey john hey ben and justin hey justin bye ben Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, it's, it's, it's rarefied company this week it's not very often that all of us get together on a show exactly yeah. i know this means that it can only go well <laughs> right until it's all on fire yeah. <laughs> Well, for the first time in a very long time, uh, we don't actually have that much to talk about. I guess we could say, we should say, that Dungeonalia is happening in December. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Warren is very, very excited. We will talk a little bit more about that in this show on Sunday as part of the Cult of Games XLBS. But you know what? I think we're just going to dive straight into it. Okay. And we start with the best part of the show, the most important part of the show, <laughs> It's the news. What's going on? Who knows? This is weird. Blasphemy. <laughs> this is what happens when Jerry takes time off. Things just go to pot. Terrible. Exactly. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. I know. Yeah. I've just ruined <laughs> No time off for you ever. <laughs> he is HR. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yes, we're going to dive straight into the news and start talking about all the stuff that has come out during this week. Uh, and I'm going to start things off with a little bit of a sort of PSA, I suppose it would be, uh, in that Mantic Games, that lovely company that does amazing things in uh, the firefight world and Kings of War and everything else in between, are actually going to be looking for playtesters. So Warpath is going to be their big new 10 millimeter epic sci-fi game that is going to be coming to Kickstarter in the near future. And uh, they are currently on the lookout for playtesters. There's going to be an event on the 9th of December at the Mantic HQ, uh, where they'll be asking veteran wargamers to come down and playtest their game to the nth degree to see if it breaks. <laughs> oh, so uh, everyone just come out of those sheds where you're building and going, one yeah. day I'll show them all. Yes. Do Someone exactly will break that. it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're going to be calling on a whole bunch of people to come down and give that a shot. Uh, there is a playtest feedback at manticgames.com email there that you can sort of um, interact with and they will get in touch with you about what happens during the day, everything else in between. It looks like it's going to be coming sooner rather than later though because there is going to be a Kickstarter launching in the very near future for this one. Be sure to keep an eye out for it. I'm sure we're going to be seeing lots of lovely enforcers and everything else in between popping up for that. So yes, are you guys excited about Warpath and this sort of this dive into 10 mil epics perhaps? I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see that universe translate it to that that larger scale battle with smaller miniatures. So I think mm -hmm. it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I waiting like... for the bar to go away so I can get the Kickstarter up. <laughs> 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 this is going to be a running theme, I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how well a 28 mil skirmish translates into a small scale large battle. 
mm-hmm. game because we 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 kind of get it occasionally, but we never get it more or less from the same company. I guess maybe some of the games workshops more recent announcements and stuff like the Legion Imperialis Legion or whatever. Imperialis, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean that sort of thing. But even then, that's not really translating i think as closely as what warpath is going to be doing mm-hmm. yeah i mean i, I am wondering not... is it going to be like a full rebuild on the rule set to suit 10 mil warfare i would hope yeah. yes mm-hmm. and well but, yeah it, it seems like they've gone through a, a fairly large process already when it comes to sort of um changing the game into that slightly more epic format i know that um jerry did a interview with the uh the folks from mantic not too long ago so if you're interested in that kind of initial idea that they had about the game make sure to go and check that out and uh yeah the future looks bright for this one hopefully we'll talk to mantic in a little bit more detail about this so, but it's uh, mantic it's not orange <laughs> very true very i don't true. get it <laughs> old adverts are old old adverts are old yes uh, yeah uh, moving on from mantic games and their sort of call out for warpath playtesters we're moving to the realm of fantasy because a new skirmish game has been announced by the folks at Simon, uh, set within A Song of Ice and Fire. So your Game of Thronesy style adventures on the tabletop. Um, so a lot of people know that they do their rank and flank or rank and file style game where you get to control one of the various houses that exist within uh, the the world of uh, A Game of Thrones and Westeros and everything else in between. Uh, but apparently, behind the scenes, they have actually been working for a very long time on this new skirmish-style game that you see here, which is going to be taking things back a little bit uh, towards that rebellion that Mr. Robert Brathian set up, where he you know, staged a coup against the Targaryens, the Mad King, and everything else in between. Um, and so they're going to be diving into a skirmish style game where you've got individual figures rather than massive, uh, massive rank and flank uh, armies. And yes, massive is, dragon, massive yes, dragon. A massive dragon. Uh, so this this was previewed at a recent Simon event. Um, it's called uh, Drogon's Wrath, I think it is, or Drogon's Rage, and it is what they call a playable diorama. Whatever oh, that I- means. I'm sorry, with the spikes on those wings, someone's taking an eye out. Yes. You lean in and go, do I have a line of sight? I will never know. Yeah. Uh, But I guess it gives you an idea of the kind of stuff they want to try and do, you know, with sort of like lots of battlements and ruins and everything else between with individual characters fighting and stuff like that. So it'll be very fun to see what they do with it and, and where they take it. Uh, in the future, they have said that all of the miniatures are going to be compatible uh, with uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, the tabletop miniatures game. Um, so if you're diving into that and you um, want to take some of the characters from that into tactics, you're going to be able to. And if you want to take some of the characters from tactics into the mass battle game, you'll also be able to do that, which mm. I think is very nice. Uh, and uh, I just can't wait to see what they do with this. Um, I think, if anything, this might be something that draws people in a little bit more potentially than the mass battle game. I don't know if people's um, ideas and stuff like that are changing when it comes to large-scale games like that, but uh, I'm sure we'll see what uh, happens as we move into the new year. Certainly liking the art style and the fact that they've gone back a little bit as well. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're going to see the Battle of the Trident. Yeah. It's going to be cool. I don't know. I I kind of want to port Tyrion Lannister in there and put him up against Rhaegar Targaryen. See how it does. That could be cool. 
that could be cool. <laughs> Shay and I both sat here going, mm. who and what? Game of Thrones, yes. Yes. Right. There's a game yes. and there are apparently thrones involved. That was I've that heard. was filmed here, and that's my knowledge on that. That's all that pages and stuff like that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure, uh, Nigel that runs Woodcall, he was actually a Lannister guard. Oh, wow. That's oh, kind of cool. You're on Lannisters? I'm... <laughs> Do we like those? Are those good no, guys? no, no, no. They're they're the assholes. Oh, they're the I like assholes, them. Yeah. Oh, oh, this okay. is also a world where everybody's assholes. I remember. Uh, yes, 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 but it's it's that level of how big of an asshole are you? I, yeah. I want to know really if um if that dragon is going to be some sort of limited release or if it's going to be a I well. dare say a mainline product. Well, I do believe that Simon are going to go to Kickstarter with it, so it might be one of those things that's just a Kickstarter. Could be an exclusive, yeah, because it's a it's a serious, serious slab of plastic. Like it really is. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the the question is, oh, if they ran a tournament and it was just like ten of those lined up along a table (laughs) with people playing, yeah, oh, that would look insane. It should be the top table. It should be yes. the tournament's top table. That would be fair. cool. Because to be that. fair, I I looked at that dragon and I was like, I really want that. Not mm. because I'm going to play the game or anything, but I really want that as a centerpiece in a display cabinet somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Or on top of a display, because it's not going to go into one anyway. Yeah, you, you might <laughs> see, like, get a custom-built IKEA it, cabinet, because it will not fit. Would it fit in, inside an entire Kallax cube? That would be the... Oh, yeah. no, no, that's that's bigger than Kallax. It's way bigger, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. Now, you might be able to like trim the wings and magnetize them so it could then slot in. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> would that be heresy? That'd probably be heresy. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it'll be very good. one of the things that a lot of people really like about the Song of Ice and Fire games is the miniatures. I've said this before when we talked about the game. Loads of people use those miniatures in a, ver- a variety of other games, like skirmish games, like Range of Shadow Deep and everything like that. So if we're going to be seeing this kind of more skirmish um game style played out on the tabletop i think it could get a lot, get a lot of people um diving in and picking up boxes of individual in- inventory and characters and things like that to use on the tabletop so yeah very the, cool the the original game itself is ridiculously good though yeah i didn't give it a good enough chance when it first came out but i ha- i have had my mind changed thoroughly by by you justin and you were a re get it Ah oh, yes, I was re-educated because initially I thought it was a, a pile of poo. <laughs> but I have since changed my mind. Thank you, Justin. So yes. <laughs> uh, moving away from the tactics of Westeros and A Song of Ice and Fire, we have something that I think John might be slightly interested in, and Shay, and maybe actually Justin. Oh, maybe. Oh, no, ju- if, if I, no. <laughs> oh, I'm there, right. If I like this, you're not allowed. You're not allowed it, Justin. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so you're you're calling dibs before you even see it. Yeah, yes. seems to be the case. Yeah. So, uh, new miniatures have been released for World War Three Team Yankee from the folks at Battlefront Games, and this time for the NATO French. So, if you're going to be playing as the French during your games of uh, World War Three Team Yankee, you've now got a nice starting spot for it. So. Ah. There is the NATO forces, French starter forces. You see there the Lecliac. I'm going to say that's how you say it. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just hurt John. You hurt John. You bad man. How do you say it, John? Leclerc. 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 It's like yeah, a chocolate eclair. Think of it like a chocolate eclair. Yeah. Oh. Leclerc. 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 I'm going to call it the eclair starter Please force. Please don't. Now. Every French person <laughs> watching this is going, yeah. you're yeah. all wrong. <laughs> Every time. <tank. laughs> bleu. Bleu. <laughs> Every tank is full of cream. <laughs> uh, but yes, you get yourself the Leclerc 
st- uh, tank company, as you can see there, which is a good starting point. Although I assume it's a good starting point. What do you guys think about it? Actually, is it is it well, one that you would definitely pick up to get going with the French? Or uh, yeah, because the the Leclercs are basically up there with the uh, West German Leopard twos, the mm-hmm. uh, Soviet T eighties, the British Challengers are probably on paper a bit better than Challenger, but they're around cool. the same era, right? So, you're getting what three of those in the box, and then you're getting a bunch of AMX 30s, which are kind of more like the analogous to the German Leopard One and the British mm-hmm. Centurion, and possibly Chieftain, maybe not right. so much. But kind of, you're yeah. getting that solid little spearhead force, so you're mm-hmm. getting that good bit of armor with a bit of lighter armor to do your your flanking maneuvers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and some SPGs and helicopters. The helicopters are great if you play them right. Right, <laughs> but John, where where where's the infantry? See, <laughs> see, they give you, they give you right, and then they take it away. <laughs> um, but the 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 French infantry should be pretty good. I'm pretty sure they're running stuff like Eric's and stuff as well, like the anti yeah, missiles yeah. and that. So. My yeah, we know. <laughs> so, what are you thinking? Like solid force that can stand up with some of the other big powers in the game. This, yeah, this this should stand up against nearly anything else. I think if anyone's running a high amount of T80s, but why would you? Because right. they're they're too expensive and yeah. they they don't mesh well with the rest of the Soviet lists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this backed up with a solid core of, of good infantry, good motor rifle platoons, or stuff like that. It's basically the, the the bread and butter of Team Yankee is a solid core of armor with mechanized infantry and support and some artillery. Right. If you feel like it. Although, mm-hmm. as my Swedish force vlog goes on, you'll you'll see that coming together. I I really mm-hmm. go into like a a joint group sort of army, a bit of everything. Nice. So yeah, yeah I'd I'd say this is good. Plus, this one is all plastic, unlike the Swedish one, which was a limited run because it had. Uh, metal and resin models in um, it as well so that's something to keep keep your eye out when new armies are coming out sometimes they're going to do that smaller scale limited mm-hmm. run sort of starter box as well but that's cool there you go right yeah but all plastic is a nice starting point all plastic is good yeah. most and of then, them are now as well which yeah. is good right and i'm assuming because this kind of part of the the nato forces you can fold it into some of those other ones that have been coming out recently it's it's going to be i think in the nato book you can take a platoon of something from another nation as an allied platoon with yeah. it. Right. So if you if you really feel like it, you could be running the French with some Canadian forces, or if you feel like it's some West German forces as well, just to beef nice. it up a little bit. Where you, you think, think it might be like, yeah, mm. yeah, cool. Yeah. The thing I was went, went really interested about when, when it came to the French actually then is that so obviously they can fight in in Europe, makes sense. But can you fold them into what would have been happening in the kind of Cold War gone hot between the Canadians and the Soviets over there as well? Or is that something that wouldn't necessarily pop up? Or I'm, I'm trying to think if Algeria and stuff but and regions like that would have still been involved. Right. Because there, there's still some French satellite sort of places uh, where they yeah. would have had influence. And being NATO, mm-hmm. NATO really can just join into any other fight. Right, because yeah. NATO is that overarching. We're here mm-hmm. to defeat communism, kind of thing. So <laughs> that's that's the reason Step about the Reds. Yeah. That's the reason NATO exists. Yeah. Um, which is strange that it still exists today, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it still exist when you know the thing it was built to defeat isn't around anymore? Kind of. Well, 
Nero lets you do anything. Nero, Nero lets you join in any sort cool. of fight. Um, yeah. I think the old oil war book allowed for um, Nero forces to join the Iraqis, oh, right. which was a, which was a really messed up thing because yeah. the yeah, Iran Iraq yeah. war didn't really happen the way it happened in real life, mm-hmm. and then. Iraq turned to NATO when Russia started pulling its resources from them. They went, Ashley, we wouldn't mind being friends with you. And NATO was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an interesting melting pot, isn't it? And yeah. lots of lots of fun what ifs and all that kind of thing you can do with this. It's, the, cool. it's one of the best grounds for historical what ifs. Oh, really well, is. Yeah. So. yeah. See, for me, I, I just love the idea that if you find something that's maybe a little bit lackluster in your force, you can maybe pull a little bit from somewhere else to like buff up what you're you're seeing as a yeah, weakness, yeah, maybe. True. Yep. Yeah. And talking of expanding your NATO forces, if you wanted to get any more of the Leclerc, I got it right, maybe, uh, tank platoon into your army, uh, you can get yourself a uh, full tank platoon to drop into the mix, which I think is very nice indeed. Uh, just more of those to make things look awesome. And I just love the kind of semi-futuristic look of the tanks. The, oh, the, so the French the French really did do a weird futuristic type vehicle yeah. for their main battle tank. But then yeah. I'm also going to get, get a little nerdy and say it's currently, it was at the time, and I think still currently is the only NATO home-built tank that is an auto-loading gun in it, oh, rather okay. than having yeah. a guy to load the shells. It's right. a full uh-huh. auto-loader. Um, which is why that turret is that weird shape because there's only two crew in it that sit at the oh, back. Yeah, interesting. I mean, that, that'll be interesting how they translate that to the table. Uh, yeah, we they need to don't... actually have a look. Did you not? Did we have a look at the stack cards yet? Yeah, we know? sure. Yeah, sure. Remember, Leclerc was oh. the most expensive tank ever. Yes, that's right. Because <laughs> we, uh, we compared it to Challenger and Leopard and went, huh. <laughs> yeah. Spicy, pricey. So, small, small elite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on from the the tanks, I'm not going to say the name. Again. <laughs> moving on from the tanks, uh, we also have the VAB T20 fire support section, which you can snap up as well. So if you're looking to, I believe, uh, keep an eye on the sort of aircraft that are floating around, you'll be able to use these to suppress the skies, which sounds like something that a mad person would say, but that's the case. <laughs> so you can saturate it with firepower, which is very cool. Again, very nice kind of like near future style to these which i think is very very cool especially with the kind of covered windows at the front it's very sort of spectrum is green spv which i love (laughs) it's it's a little bit dystopian riot wagon looking it does look a little bit like that as well you can see one of those rocking down a street somewhere in america as well i mean the the gun with a water cannon on your shoulder (laughs) i mean the the french do like riots (laughs) that is very true this is fair that is this is true uh keeping things smaller than tanks uh, and even smaller than those we also have the vbl patrol as well so if you're looking to throw some sort of slightly anti-tank stuff into the mix you can do whilst also keeping infantry at bay these come with those lovely missiles that you like so much and milans and the erics <laughs> what Eric. what is so good about an erics then erics it go boom it, it just because it goes boom right okay <laughs> it's it's one of the strongest anti-tank rating Twenty seven or something like that. Yeah, wow. something like anti tank twenty seven. So it's going through the front of nearly any of the the more modern main battle tanks. Wow. In the game. And the the Milan is what? It's twenty one or twenty two anti tank. Yeah, something like that. Cool. So, so even front up. even front armor, Eric's is just going straight through. Yeah, nice. I love the sound of that. Cool. Pretty cool. And mounted in the back of little jeeps as well, so you yeah. can yep, zoom around to where, wherever you need them. Which well, is on the day off, take it down the beach, go jump with some dudes. Yeah. <laughs> 
not in the, not in the VBL, Justin. I wouldn't do it in a VBL. So thanks. <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> Just falls over. They're 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 like all armored vehicles like this. They're a touch top heavy. Uh, so if you hit the hill wrong, you tend to end up upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out more burnout than need for speed. We're yeah. all going on it. Oops. Uh, talking of infantry, as you were before, uh, John, and lamenting the fact that you don't get them in the set. In the set, there are also a couple of options for you here as well. So you get to play around with the infantry platoon itself, uh, which comes with a whole range of different weapons in there as well. So you've got your assault rifles, your anti-tank weapons, and everything else in between, and the Eriks as well at the back, as you can see, and Famas too. Yes, Famas. Oh, I love a Famas. See you all. I love a bit Famas. Yeah. <laughs> Even I know what a famass is. Uh, <laughs> I've been, what's Call, a famass? I've played Call of Duty. It's a yeah. it's a, a, it's a gun. Yeah, it's a gun. <laughs> it's a gun. Uh, it's a it's a small child. No. <laughs> oh, what parent would ever do that to their youngling? <laughs> but as well as that, you've also got the 120 millimeter mortar platoon, as you can see there. Which is looking very nice indeed. I, I love that the French the, the French military are like 120 mil border. That goes on wheels. Meanwhile, <laughs> every other NATO country, no, you carry that. <laughs> you stick in Jeep, you take out of Jeep, you carry set up fire. Yeah. French is like, no, just disconnect it off the Jeep. Just fire. Just tow it. Just, just tow it. <laughs> fire on the move. We like remember World War I fondly. <laughs> oh, they do. Makes sense to me. Yeah, the French never want World War One again. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then capping things off for the infantry, there's also the Mistral group as well. So if you're looking to uh, drop a bunch more missiles into the mix, you've got that option, which is very very nice. Mistrals are the anti-air. Yes, are I they, believe they so. are the anti-air. Yeah. So you've got some nice little options there when it comes to um, playing around with the, with the troops, which are incredibly important. You, you might think that it's just all tanks all the way, but you do need soldiers to hold things. <laughs> yep. They are quite important in your games. Uh, there is also actually a separate um, Eric's set as well, uh, but the picture was so small that I didn't want to bother with it, unlike Jerry, <laughs> oh. who would just be like, here, have this fuzzy photo, but there we yeah, go. Yeah, this <laughs> tiny, teeny weeniness. So you will be able to pick these up. I should also point out that all of these are available from store.ontobotop.com. So if you are interested in picking up all of these goodies, you can do so from our web store. Lovely. Buy merch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not really merch. It's just miniatures. We don't do merch. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. Possibly. Anyway. Well, no, because no, I know <laughs> at least do. one of the companies that we sell their stuff for, we, they sent us t-shirts. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So we, we technically have a piece of merch. Yeah. We do occasionally <laughs> listen to people that write... Um, comments on their order forms you know draw me a dinosaur remember that one shay i remember uh, <laughs> draw me a dinosaur what, in the inside of the box what is even better than that is that if shay is packing your package mm, uh you will get a lot of candy oh my god you get a lot yeah. of candy yeah uh, it's, it's just too sweet you have to give it away <laughs> i actually had some guy order something and he put if you give me an extra piece of candy i'll give you a kiss <laughs> you got two extra pieces of candy for that. Oh, so you, you're, you're now just going to events, going, "Where is he? Where is Where's he? That you? Where's connection? That Where's the candy man?" <laughs> uh, so yeah, moving from a, a cold war that didn't quite go hot to the far future, where war is everywhere and the human sphere is being attacked from all sides, we have Infinity and some new releases that are coming out for the month of December. Lots of lovely stuff here once again. Uh, we start off with Fiddler, who is the Aristea X toy maker. So you may know the character from the game Aristea, the the fun sort of sci-fi sports game that Corvus Belly do. She is now uh, stretching her mercenary legs 
as they were as they are <laughs> in Android form, uh, and stepping out onto the battlefield to do all sorts of fun bits and pieces uh, for you as a lovely, helpful. Uh, side character in the mix. She is a mercenary engineer. So if your faction is one that is lacking in somebody who likes DIY, uh, then you can throw her into the mix and use her to fix up your tags and all sorts of other things like that. She also comes with that very awesome little sort of like roller case thing, which I think is just amazing. And yeah, that looks like see. an RC bomb. Yes, I think it is very much RC bomb flavored, probably. But uh, yes. Um, it's really nice to see more of the characters from Aristea moving over into Infinity because I think it helps to sort of blend the worlds together and give you an idea that everything has this nice fluctuating feel to it when it comes to the narrative and the story. Um, we obviously saw that a little bit more with the, the latest graphic novel that they did and all that kind of thing as well, where we had characters from Aristea mixing with those from Infinity as well. So a nice little addition, additional character there for people to play around with. And because it's a mercenary, can fight for pretty much anybody. Um, talking of awesome narrative sets as well the second of the packs is the dire foes mission pack 13 which is called blind spot and i think that uh, the people at corpus belly may have been reading some hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy uh, with this one because the story here is that galactic hitchhiker so what they did there um has been out in the depths of space floating around on various spaceships and has seen something that they shouldn't have done and as the text said on the the web store entry don't panic <laughs> again i wonder where they got that from so now uh, there is going to be a almighty chase to see if the uh, two companies the two factions can hunt down this poor hitchhiker uh, and drag them off into some sort of shadowy um facility somewhere so she does have a tile too she does have a towel. <laughs> I wonder if one of her toes tastes like barbecue. That'll be the, that'll be the I, real test. I'm going to be honest. If anyone ever turns to me and goes, don't panic, <laughs> I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I'm walking away from that situation right I'm there. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so yeah, this will give you uh, an ALF character and a Hakusam character to throw into the mix to use in your games. You could obviously use these to build a full narrative scenario based around the blind spot mission, or you could just use her as a high value target if you wanted to in your games. So the set comes with Hassassin Hussam Yaspia, who is the fellow on the left, who looks very cool. Oh, what a badass. And then you've also got Chandra Sergeant. Thrasimedes, I got the name right, who is your ALF entry into this uh, little collection, looking very awesome indeed. Um, and yeah, Nakia, uh, Nakia Usman is the galactic hitchhiker at the back, but obviously you could use her as whatever character you like. Also, if you're playing the role-playing game, not a bad character to use as your character, potentially, if mm. you want to drop it yeah. into the game and use some miniatures, which is very nice. And so Jerry's not here to tell me that I'm wrong. Oh, she's channeling. She's channeling. Oh, <laughs> oh well, yeah, I'm, I'm Jerry's replacement. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, a really nice little set. Uh, the Diaphos packs in the past have been really fun, uh, and it's good to see that more of them are popping up to keep telling that story, which is very nice. So yeah. Moving on from that, something for those that are fans of Yu Jing, we also Number have one. The Zhu Yong Invincibles. So if you are looking to crack down on the enemies of Yu Jing, you've got some very nice options there. Lots of different weapon types for you to be playing around with. In that set, uh, there is an Invincible with an HMG, Tai Sheng, uh, the Zhu Yong Invincible NCO with Combi Breaker Rifle, and Crit Kokram, the Zhu Yong Invincible Specialist with a Heavy Pistol. And you also get one of the darling tin bots as well, who is going to be looking after you and make sure the bullets don't hit your face. He's oh, adorable. 
<laughs> I just imagine I'm running across the battlefield going, I protect you. Yes, boss. <laughs> I like that. I like to think that's how he sounds. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if Warren had his way, it would have some strange inputs, I'm sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Or stick with the um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It just yes. talks like, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, something the Paranoid Android. What's his yeah. name? Marvin? Oh, Marvin the Paranoid Android. Yes. Yeah. I think that's one. Yeah. So he's just really bored all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you brought me out to battle again. Oh. Uh, why why do I bother? Yeah. <laughs> or if you want to break away from that, it might be K2SO. You are being rescued. Please do not resist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, some nice uh, little additions there to uh uh Yujing for you to use on the tabletop and enjoy painting yellow. It's not as hard as you think, folks. There's lots of ways to do that. Well, not these days. Start with pink. There's a tip. Really? So yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Very good. Uh, moving on from that, there were also a couple of reinforcement sets that have been released for a couple of the different factions. So if you're playing as the Nomads, there is two packs for you to check out. Um, these are essentially there for you to kind of expand on what you might have got yourselves got your hands on in sort of starter boxes and that kind of thing or maybe you've just bought a faction starter for either the nomads or the combine which we'll see in a second as well um they give you loads of additional specialists um very specific weapon designs and some in some cases you get alternative characters as well and they've all been designed to give you a nice themed way to kind of step up from where you were before so as calling back to an old series that we used to do called Battle Box and Beyond, these are kind of like that next step for you to sort of take things in a nice direction. Uh, and as I say, there are there's two for the Nomads and there's some for the uh, Combined as well, which I'm hoping Shay's going to show me very soon. Looking <laughs> at the Dead Spears guys. There we go. So yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> get the so Dead What's what's really nice about um, the 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 kind of two packs that they've done with this is that you get one which is kind of like generic characters or what, generic troops and then you get one that comes with some named characters in it so if you wanted to take things in a different route you can do which i think is really nice uh and sort of again sort of lock yourself onto the narrative and tell particular stories and that kind of thing. Although they all have foot on stuff oh yeah of course you know, yeah, I, I don't know box. why but the the guy in the the white suit is dying for Adidas stripes. <laughs> yes. I don't know why, but yeah. it just feels like he should be wearing Adidas, and he needs to be crouched with his rifle over his shoulder with like a little <laughs> fire in front of him. Oh, do you do it right and do real Adidas, or you do the fake one with the extra stripe? Or the four stripes instead of the three, or the two stripe one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go extravagant. Yeah, <laughs> depends how patient you are with the brush. Very true. true. Um, so yeah, so that's the Nomad ones, and then you've got the two combined ones as well, uh, which come with loads of amazing aliens. Oh god, they're so good. That is terrifying. That's yes. a cool. really nice color yeah. scheme. Yeah. The thing that the thing that I love about the combined, and it's one of the things that I would, it's it's one of the reasons why I think they would be my faction if I dived into to play the game is that they are just like. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people would complain. They're very much like bad guy energy. <laughs> they have evil villain energy, especially. Oh, I mean, look at that guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> look at that face. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere, Garrus from Mass Effect is like, hey, who stole my hot bod? Um, but uh... <laughs> well, look, the female character is gorgeous. She is yeah. nice as well. Yeah. It's uh, a very cool little pair of sets. Uh, that one comes with so you get the what is it the base operator with the combo rifle and the light shotgun the base opera, operator engineer and the void operator oh no sorry the second set sorry 
I got confused. This set comes with the <laughs> the Umbra Legate with the close combat weapon, the Nexus Operative Hacker, and Kodali with the multi-rifle. So there you go. So some nice stuff in there for you to play around with. And the other things I said from the other set. So there you go. <laughs> Put it all together. It's all fine. The other English words from Spain. The other English words. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, some nice stuff there from Infinity that's going to be coming out at the start of uh, December. So if you're interested, you can go and pre-order these right now from Corvus Belly and get them added to your Christmas stockings. Jingle, jingle, jingle. I've started it already. You cannot stop now. No. It's still Eddie. November. <laughs> Uh, moving over to a little bit of the grim dark, uh, we don't have any proper Games Workshop releases this week, uh, but we do have some awesome stuff from the folks at Cubicle Seven because Imperium Maledictum, the role-playing game, is now available in physical form for you to pick up from the folks over there on their web store. So, Imperium Maledictum, a little bit different from the 40k role-playing games you might have played in the last couple of years with that Wrath and Glory, which were very much focused on the idea of big, burly badasses in power armor, killing everything in their way, destroying things, playing as orcs, blasting entire battlefields to smithereens. In Imperium Maledictum, you get a lot more close in and a lot more focused, and you'll instead be playing as agents of the Imperium, or potentially a lovely patron, as you sneak around... Uh, the various cities of the Imperium and do all sorts of strange things for them, uh, sort of working away in the shadows. So yes, uh, any shot can probably kill you in this game. Uh, you are not a superhero. You are definitely going to die if someone starts shooting at you, which I think is very cool. Um, so it's definitely one to go and check out. It uses the D100 system as well. So if, you've, uh, if you're familiar with previous Warhammer 40,000 role-playing games that you might have seen from... Uh, fantasy flight games or maybe you've played warhammer fantasy roleplay this will be a very familiar system to you but the addition of that new patron system to the game i think is absolutely fantastic it's almost like another character that you make as a group um so you all sit down and you decide on the uh the boons and the banes that your patron can give you and all of these things can then just come back to haunt you if you're not careful which i think is very awesome because it not only provides you with lots of ideas and ways to take things as the players but it also takes uh, means that the, your games master is going to have plenty of things to stab you in the back with later on which is exactly how they like it especially in the grim dark future not to um, mention that actions have consequences exactly yes <laughs> yeah remind me to never give my players grenades again <laughs> <laughs> oh no i mean for this one i think it was you and me ben it was like remember that time we blew up that promethean pipeline yeah, that's that's not going to be a problem in the next session. Yeah, I would love to play this again. It's a very fun system. It was really fun. We we did a let's play. It was uh, me, Justin, and uh, Jerry who put on an amazing Adeptus Mechanicus voice with a little modulator, which is very cool. So definitely want to check that out if you've not seen it. In Jerry, just in not understanding the flesh things around him. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Sounds like a normal day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yes, uh, Imperium Maledictum, make sure to go and check this out if you have not already. Uh, if you've got the digital version, maybe you want to get your hands on the physical one. Uh, but if you do get the physical version, you tend to get the PDF for free, which I think is a really nice little bonus as well. And as Shay was showing off there, there's a very nice Games Master screen as well. So if you want to get that and uh, give yourself a little bit of a heads up when you're diving into your games so that you don't get confused halfway through, <laughs> then that is a, a nice thing to add to your collection. Maybe something to get your Games Master for Christmas. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> it's and remember, kids, if you speed an NPC with an extra arm, kill it. it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mutant. Burn. 
moving on from that, uh, one last little bit of news. Uh, we have some fun stuff that came out of War Games Atlantic this week as well. Um, you will have seen over the last little while, they've been doing some really nice stuff, for kind of like the Plains Indians period uh, and sort of diving into historical war games. And so they've put up a set of 3D printable uh, Americans Plains Indians for you to use in your games. Um, this set comes with a host of mounted and dismounted options for you to choose from, as well as the myriad of heads and weapons that you might have expected from the folks at uh, War Games Atlantic for you to use in your games. Um, going to be really good for representing the Lakota Sioux, who would have been the ones that actually fought at the Little Bighorn and sort of and Custer's last stand. So if you're looking to play out that particular game on the tabletop on that particular battle or campaign, then these are going to be really awesome for you to, to play around with. Um, these have been done in aid of National American Indian Heritage Month, which is the month of November, which is very nice as well. Um, and as I say, you'll be able to go and download these and get them printed off on your home printers as you see fit. Um, fingers crossed, these kind of kits are going to be coming out on uh, sort of only games in the future. I think that'd be really fun. Although they did also posit that perhaps, perhaps, we might get these as plastic kits in the future, which I think could would go down very, very well. Uh, I know there's a lot of people yeah. doing Wild West gaming at the moment, and they would love to get their hands on some Plains Indians to uh, drop into the mix as well. I think it's very cool. So yeah, nice stuff there. Not only Indians, though, because in addition to that, they also have a set for the 7th Cavalry, uh, who are looking worse for wear. <laughs> They've been thoroughly dismounted <laughs> by their enemies. So if you too want to be an idiot like Custer, uh, you can take on the role <laughs> of the 7th Cavalry, leave all your guns behind. Ugh, I mean, what? Anyway, never mind. Uh, and head off into the plains to fight against the uh, the Native Americans and uh, the First Nations and stuff. And another nice little set from them, loads of different body options for you to choose from, lots of different guns and heads as well. They'll be really nice to paint, I reckon, though, in that glorious blue. It'll yeah. be very nice. And those those cavalry uniforms are gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think I see a lot of people diving in and playing this, especially since we had a Kickstarter not too recently, not sorry, not too far away, I suppose, uh, that was all about the Plains Indians and stuff as well from, I think it was Brigade Games or Brigade Models. I can never remember which one's which, but uh, they did a, a nice campaign where you could get your hands on some metal models as well uh, from the likes of Paul Hicks and things. So if you want to do a little bit of mix and matching, you can do. And as I say, if this set makes its way into their kind of Vox Populi sort of set of voting thing, I would drop some votes in on that one because it'd be very nice to see where they go with that in a hard plastic kit because everybody would pick that up, I think. Or an expanded range for some of the heavy artillery. Yes, very true as well. That could be cool. Yeah, let's see where they go. Maybe we'll actually get some cavalry for the 7th Cavalry. Oh, no, wait, yeah. they left that behind. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, so that is us coming to the end of the news. Hopefully there's something there that you saw that was very nice. If we've missed something, please let me know in the comments below. I won't listen to you. No, I will. I will. I'll look. I'll look. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick swish, and we'll be back very soon. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim centre over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. All right, folks, we are back. And yes, we have a special guest. Uh, John has been pushed out to the side. Bye-bye, John. Uh, and we now have Dave from Mini Wargaming, who's with us. And we are going to be talking all things excellent and Ravage Star which is yeah. your new project that is on GameFound right now as you're looking to fund all of those rules and everything else in between. Uh, I think the, the best way to start, Dave, is just go for it, man. Tell us what Ravage Star is is all about and, and why you dived into it. So, 
Rabbit Star is a tabletop miniature war game now. Before it started as just a miniature range, which was this right here, we see some PVC plastic from the very first campaign. But uh, right now, it's a game that is being developed. Uh, mini wargaming in-house here. We're doing the rules development. We're doing all of that stuff. And it's feedback from the community. So we are collating suggestions, ideas, rules mechanics, and amalgamizing it into one cohesive rule set that mm -hmm. everyone can have a bit of a, a voice in and seeing like what kind of things they'd like to see as part of the gaming experience. Yeah. And that's it. It's all for fun. Uh, <laughs> the idea is that we're removing barriers to entry to get into tabletop game. So mm -hmm. what does that mean? Barriers to entry? Well, one of them is if there's a very first time person in a gaming store, hobby club, heck a buddy at your house and you want to introduce them to gaming, Something that we have found through feedback that might be a little overwhelming is the assembly process of miniatures. So it's like, before we play this game, we got to assemble the minis. Uh, what do you mean? How long does that take? How do we do yeah. that? Yeah. Lots By the way, go get all these tools. <laughs> go get all these tools. Um, you can borrow mine, but really you should get your own. You know, so there's a lot of feedback, right? So we put a vote out and it was 20,000 votes uh, on a poll, pre-assembled versus uh, not assembled. And it was 83% of that. And so what, we, what we've done is we've just listened. So Ravage Star comes pre-assembled in the box. You just Very cool. play right away. So it kind of functions like a board game that way, where you just right out of the box, you play. But it feels like a miniature war game because of the scale. You can have a lot of units. You can have as much, it's scaled. The rule set scales where you can have small squads, kill team size, forces or you can have multiple units about a dozen each side or you can even go like large if you really really wanted to right so it, it scales that way according to your desire and flavor that you mm -hmm. choose to engage in on the tabletop and it's made from pvc plastic miniatures so this right here is a finished one from the factory and we posted the video and every time it gets me man so this is finished pvc from the factory right and so this is the durability oh. of it <laughs> and this you would never do this with your minis. Why would you be so insane as to do this, right? Yeah, no, but, no I, I, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. But see, the thing is, I in mind, we have this in mind where, because a lot of us have kids at home running around and whatever, and so we, we want them to engage with us in the hobby. But at the same time, we don't want them to wreck stuff. So it's like, oh, yeah, do this, but don't, just be careful and make sure you don't do that. But please do this with me. But And so there's this bit of a... A bit of a duality about it, right? So one of the feedbacks was, yeah, let's let's have more people involved and it's easier and not be so tense all the time about breaking stuff. So yeah. what better way than to just make it out of a material where this is a this is a, like a tendril, by the way. You would easily snap this in another mm -hmm. type of miniature. Um, but this is like you the the comfort level of like just taking out that stress because mm -hmm. that is like energy projected or it's like, <laughs> hey, do this hobby with me, but be really careful, right? So it's yeah. like there's that. Versus, dude, come have fun. Let's do this. If I knock it over as an adult, cool. If my kid knocks it over, that's expected, right? So yeah. that's they, the they're idea. gaming pieces, aren't they, man? It's, it kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can. They take really well to paint as well. So it's not like this thing that isn't a familiar hobby mm -hmm. model, right? You can do the exact same thing you would normally on it uh, mm -hmm. as you would any other miniature, hard plastic miniature. They they look super intricate. Anything that I've seen of them so far. And it looks like, uh, do the details come out nice and razor sharp on them? Razor sharp. Like, that's the crazy thing, right? Because uh, 
I got to be absolutely honest. Uh, the, when the idea came up that we would do PVC plastic, there was an association in my mind for what that looked like. And so like classic off, WizKid stuff or something. It's or, classic. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, you got some skeletons, maybe some extra flashing on this part. Uh, not high resolution. The fidelity is very low. And it's just not not high detail. So in my mind, there's this bias. It's like hard plastic, uh, you know, hips. So you cut off a sprue, like that's the quality, right? That's the standard. Mm. And so when I saw one of these samples come in, right? I'm like, wait, hold on one second. Like this is... That's not what I'm used to seeing when it comes to these oh, yeah. miniatures at all, right? Uh, and so here, there's a good example of this. So this is a 3D print. <laughs> Let's make it so it's not as so. There you go. I want this one. is a 3D print, but but really, it's it's just a larger version of the actual, which is right here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, nuts. And so, yeah, sold. Because that's the first thing. When you see a mini on the tabletop, like that sells you or doesn't sell you. If you mm -hmm. see it, yeah. it looks cool. There's good detail then you want to know more about it, right? Mm -hmm. If the mini doesn't grab you, then there's nothing else that will. That's a part of it, right? It could be the coolest lore, could be the mm -hmm. coolest mechanics. But if the minis don't scream at you that they're awesome, <laughs> it's really hard, you know? Yeah, very true. And then couple that with the artwork, which feels like comic book, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yep. all right, so we have the aesthetic down. Now, what about the rule set, right? That's really important, especially mm -hmm. as seasoned gamers where we've been playing for years. We played dozens and dozens of games. We've seen a lot of stuff, especially collectively as a community. Mm -hmm. So what's the best way of presenting a game to the community? Is it, hey, guys, we're going to work really hard and develop a rule set and then present it to you and hope you like it? I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's a massive risk, right? It's been done many times before. But what about, how about you? community us together let's collate a whole bunch of ideas yeah and let's do this feedback thing where what do you want to see what do we want to experience together and then let's present our idea that we've collectively designed mm -hmm. and so throughout the process of creating this rule set there's feedback every step of the way so when it's finalized and when the alpha becomes the beta rules it's like you're a part of that process because that's yeah, what we've done from the beginning because you, you guys have already done a couple of videos already where you've done sort of like a, an initial demo game where you went through things and then you sort of did a, a, a larger game and stuff like that. And and all of those have all been with, with the, the pretense of like, we're going to take this to you guys in the community and sort of work with you to sort of see what works, what doesn't. And still and so why while you've still got the sort of skeleton of the game there anyway, as you can see by some of the unit cards we've been seeing and the basics of how things work and that sort of boost system and tokens and things, you're still taking in a lot of feedback from the community I, I take it to sort of like expand on that and make the factions feel unique and all that kind of thing yeah 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 absolutely uh and so that 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 whole ethos of uh community driven so that actually ex extends everywhere that extended to the uh design process the choice in the factions that were being produced mm -hmm. uh, such as the amari the dwarves uh, like right now, you're looking at the Gorkog. Like that's definitely influenced by Matt, right? Because Matt likes the bugs, and so for yes. those who have watched the channel <laughs> over the weird over the years, we know that he likes his alien bugs. Yeah. So, uh, like this here specifically, since we're looking at this right now, just to comment on that for a minute, the aesthetic uh, influence was let's make bugs that look like it's organic, mm -hmm. and that if they were to shoot projectiles, it would be like growths from them as as opposed to like holding a weapon yeah yeah uh so it's just like it looks like it'd be devastating it'd be like corrosive and poison and whatever alien thing that'd be like shot at you 
Mm-hmm. So it feels more devastating and more inhuman to fight against. And so that yeah. was the idea there. More terrifying. <laughs> more terrifying, <laughs> yeah. right? Because you're like, I don't know what that is. What's a plasma yeah, yeah. spitter? Like, what's going to happen when it like goes on my face? <laughs> Goodbye face, right? <laughs> oh, it's like, like a spa day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the lore, like speaking about the lore just for a moment, because uh, the lore is like, once you like the aesthetic of something, you want to learn about it. You want to learn the details, right? What, who are the Gorkog, for instance, right? What are they? Uh, why should I care about them? Why should I care that the god of wrath, Navir, there's eight gods and aspects, by the way, in the universe of Ravnica. Of course, of course, there are eight. And so, I mean, hey, <laughs> when you walk the eightfold path of whatever that might be, it goes on forever. Um, but yeah, there's eight gods and aspects, one of which is wrath, Navir, and wrath spent thousands of years splicing different species together to create this horde of monstrosities and so uh, this this whole race is under the control of a god but as a default they're actually just like any other race like these right here you're looking at them right now these flesh seekers they're a bunch of gork dogs you can actually have one of these as a pet you know they have personalities (laughs) right so in the lore that's reflected uh and also this gives us opportunities to write stories about it from the perspective mm. of the alien because normally stories where it's like oh you're fighting the alien it's always this illusory uh, mysterious thing that kind of you can't really relate to it but mm. one of these i mean how many of us feel like a dog out in the rain sometimes you know so we can actually relate to one of these dudes yeah, yeah. so that just makes it more immersive even mm-hmm. for a bug faction yeah so the default is you're under the control of a god of a higher power and you can't help it. You're just a bug at this point. Mm-hmm. But you can you can detach yourself from that lore-wise and you can just run off with your own character. So lots of opportunities for people to take things in their own creative direction, which is, which is always nice. Which is what you want from a hobby. You want the ability to kind of game in the gaps and do all that kind of good stuff. Thank you, so. Yeah. Absolutely, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't have said it better. And that that again is feedback, right? So the feedback is majority of players, which are majority casual, um, there's competitive aspects there, of course, but majority, vast majority of gamers are casual. And what is the commonality between that? It's the immersion and it's the expression of imagination. So there's so much of us that we put into our armies. There's certain armies we collect for a certain reason. We apply our own color schemes for certain reasons. We feel certain ways about things. Things mm-hmm. resonate with us specifically for various aspects, right? And we, we get to do that, but we've actually, we're de- we're developing a framework where not only is that a thing that's encouraged, but it's a thing that can actually potentially be canonized. For yeah. instance, uh, just today, I'll be posting the commander contest where people can actually submit an idea for their own commander that exists within Ravage Star. Cool. And it'll be collected. And then we'll come up with a bunch of the best ideas. And out of those ideas, they'll be voted on by the community. And the mm-hmm. top voted one becomes a miniature that actually oh, exists in the lore that's and nice. the other cool thing about it too is because we do the battle reports in house mm-hmm. anyone that comes here and plays a ravage star battle report it's automatically canonized in the overall <laughs> lore because when yeah. we do narrative campaigns which will be an open universe narrative campaign people come in their own commander that they have spent time on developing the lore for they get to present it in the universe of ravage star Gives you some more stakes for what's happening beyond just playing some games, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, how do the uh, Imari sort of fit into things? So obviously we've talked about the Gorkog a little bit, but sort of the Imari, what, what are they like as a faction? 
in the game. The the Amari is this. They are a remnant of what they once were 71 years ago. And so they were actually devastated. They were uh, uh, there was a genocide that took place here and because of the Gorkog. So the God of Navir, the God of Wrath, Navir, sent the Gork, sick the Gorkog on them in like billions. Right. Just kill billions, slaughter them, right? So the remnant of their civilization is the military branch, which is the engineers of war, which are the Amari. So they are mechs. They are war machines. They're drone pilots. They're mech mm-hmm. masters. They're uh, they're they're rock and stone. They are space dwarves. <laughs> you know, Love like that. everything yeah. you see, even the design of their. Uh, mechs are their dwarven faces on the actual mech. You could tell it's a dwarven mech, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they have these uh, scout units right here that can be controlled from a distance. So the mech master can control these from the other side of the battlefield. It's all wireless, so he can do that mm-hmm. as much as he wants. And the I'm I'm getting I'm all ADHD, man. When I'm looking around, I, I see stuff. So I'm looking at this particular guy and remembering the play test games that we had. So much fun! You can move up. There's boost abilities. We haven't even talked about the game yet, right? So it's that itself is is a lot of fun. Oh, well, this would be a perfect opportunity to talk about it because there are some really interesting mechanics that you've sort of baked into the rules that are, are really fun, including, as you say, the, these boost mechanics. If you want to talk a little bit about those, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So as a default, it is a alternate activation uh, token pull from bag system, right? So we have a token that represents each of our <laughs> units. We put it in a bag, right? Yeah. And then we also have boost tokens on top of our unit tokens. And that's what we do. We take turns pulling tokens from a bag. So when we pull a token that represents the unit, we activate that specific unit. Mm-hmm. If we pull a boost token, then we can activate any unit on in our faction and activate its boost ability, which you can see there at the bottom of the card. Each unit has a boost ability and it just does something special. So you don't always get to do that. You mm-hmm. do it when you boost that unit. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that function. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, doing that is like, that's the flavor of the unit. Mm-hmm. Right. And you really look forward to seeing what you can do in the combinations that you can do it. And there's yeah. a built in fog of war because typically in games we can plan it out. Right. Mm-hmm. We're like, all right, so I'm going to move this here, which will do that, which might trigger that. And you can spend a good five, 10 minutes, whatever, kind of puzzling your way through your turn. Mm-hmm. But in this, because you don't know if your next unit will be activated, it's hard to plan ahead. So it's very reactive. So mm-hmm. it's like, I go, I might go again a second time, but then you might go and you might go on the other side of the battlefield. So I'm like, okay, I got to shift there and kind of react there. Mm -hmm. But that boost token makes it so you have the flexibility of activating anything you want Mm -hmm. whenever it comes up. So you can more directly interact and react to something that's devastating you on your side. Mm -hmm. So it it just lends itself well to really high engagement. Mm -hmm. I, I found that I don't look at my phone when I'm playing a game of Ravage Star because it's like, <laughs> all right, 30 seconds goes by and it's back to my turn. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, gone are the days that we're waiting 45 minutes for someone else to do their turn. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, in other yeah. gaming yeah. systems yep. that might exist that do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, so, it does like, look like everything's baked in really well. So, yeah. you know, just being able to have your stats on stat cards and stuff, I really like. The top I, right there is yep. like, you have four stats. That's it. You have your movement there on the and the first one there. You have your health, your your wounds right there, and then you have your defense and then your leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So four stats as a default every unit, and then you have your weapon specific statistics, right? So those vary per per unit card, but yeah, uh, yeah, and it's easy to kind of, kind of like 
yeah. the, the idea is that there's going to be a quick start guide for when you buy the box mm-hmm. so that when you buy it, you're literally playing within minutes Ooh, right. to get the flavor nice. of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the uh, battle packs specifically or the two-player starter sets, mm-hmm. the idea is to get you and a, and a friend or you and someone else into it at the same time. Love it. Yeah. Amazing. So the, one of the other things I really liked about what you've done is you went for D10s rather than the sort of like not established D6 system. I think it was really cool. And mainly because it kind of flowed into the idea that, it, well, it seemed from my point of view that everything felt that you're trying to remove barriers to entry. And so running with a D10 just makes things immediately easy for you to work out things like percentages and things like that as I was running through. And just yeah. if you wanted to half things, which well, just half half and half and all that kind of thing, I, that just seemed like a really nice little touch to throw in. And a D10 just gives you more possibilities as well when it comes to game mechanics, which was a really cool touch. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with that. Uh, that was, a, it was very satisfying mentally to be like, all right, that's plus one. That means that's an extra 10% chance that I'll yeah. successful with my accuracy there. And it's like oddly satisfying because like with the D6 system, which is satisfying by itself because there's mm-hmm. something about rolling those D6s, man, where oh, maybe big it's the shape of the yeah, cube yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it's like, you, that's the most common experience. Yeah. And so when you're trying to math it out, you're like, all right, that's one in six chance, which is like, what is that? 17%? So so you're, you're like kind of doing this stuff. But the yeah, detail, you're, you're right. It's, you yeah. it's much easier. Like when you get plus two to something, oh, an extra 20%. Like for some reason, it just like clicks better. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more more fluid back and forth. And then stat like modifiers can stack, which is super satisfying. Right. Oh, that's far away and it's behind cover. Oh, okay. So that's a minus two to my accuracy. Yeah. So it's like things stack in a logical way. But mm-hmm. that is full credit to Matt. So Matthew mm-hmm. Inhouse, who is like collecting all the rules and he's been doing it for 16 years, man. He's written over 70 narrative campaigns which have custom rules that are grabbing and borrowing from various rule systems. And I mean, he's been a professional gamer all that time developing yeah. rule systems, right? Yeah. And he literally gets people into games. Like I've known Matt since I was five and he got me into role-playing games. He got me into tabletop <laughs> games. Risk, I played Risk, first time yeah. at his house. So it's like, uh, it makes sense. And even now, uh, that's mm-hmm. what he does. He gets people into the games. He's good at the rules and he's excellent mm-hmm. with articulation of the rules, yeah. right? Like. What do, I, what do I do? I show up and I corn forward and I watch explosions. Like <laughs> For me personally to develop the rules, it doesn't make sense. I know my place. Yeah. I get excited about plastic on YouTube. That's my place. Right? <laughs> His place is where it is, right? He's the yeah. master of the forge. We got the forge fiends. We're doing a 3D print, sending out promotions, right? Getting all the, uh, everything. We're spreading the word of Ravage Star, right? And he's developing the rules and it's fantastic. Absolutely well, fantastic. I, I would say in that case, then, does the... Does it feel to to both of you guys like is this the game that Matt always wanted to make, and is this the game that you always wanted to play? Does it feel like that <laughs> that sits well oh, in your like mind? Game. Or you know what? Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's let's go with that because it feels right, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you know, Matt makes the rules. I like to break the rules, and so it's like it's the perfect <laughs> yeah. yin and yang, right? It's yeah. like uh, yeah, it's it's honestly that's a very good way of putting it, right? Yeah. 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 So, so it's basically all of this passion and everything else that you've built up over all of these years solidified into these lovely plastic miniatures and these rules that you're bringing to the tabletop for everyone to play with. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an expression of that, right? And so, yeah. There's a, a little question. Can you give us a quick rundown of the actual structure of a turn, how it actually plays? Because I assume you want this to play pretty quick, back and forth. You were saying like 30 second turn. So how does, how does a turn work? Pull the token and then what are we doing? 
So you pull a token, you put it by the unit that's activated, and each unit has two actions. You mm-hmm. can move as an action, shoot as an action, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's double action things, right? Like charging is a double action. Mm-hmm. Um, running is a double action. Um, and so that's it. If you, mm-hmm. units can be shaken, so there's certain weapons that cause stunning, and then you make a leadership test to see if you're shaken. And if you're shaken, you only get one action when it activates, right? Mm-hmm. The boost tokens can nullify the shaken, and then it just act- activates as per normal. Or if you put a boost on a unit, it gets to activate its boost ability if it wasn't already shaken. Mm-hmm. And then you do that, and then you reconcile each uh, unit on either side until there's no more tokens back in the bag. Mm-hmm. And if we're playing a, an objective game, which it will, it'll be uh, scenario-based, objective-based, um, and we'll come up with a number of different ways yeah. of playing and different uh, mission mission mm-hmm. types. Um, at the end of what right now is four rounds, uh, that's what we've been experimenting with. End of four rounds, whoever has the most victory points comes out the winner. So in a very basic structure of how the game works, that's how it works. Nice. And typically it's... Uh, and we've experimented with different stuff too. It's like at the end of each round, we count up however many uh, victory points we have according to who's holding objectives. But we've also experimented with, we put in an additional token into the bag, which is an objective token. And every time it's pulled, we actually count up victory points mid-turn, right? right? In oh. addition to the default at the end of turn. So that that becomes variable. We don't know when that's happened. It could be none. Mm-hmm. Or it could be up to three because if it's infinite, we like, oh, we keep on pulling it out. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're counting so like, numbers forever. Yeah. yeah. So that was really fun because it's like there's this element of like, oh man, I'm in a bad position right now. I don't want that extra token to be pulled. <laughs> right. It's like, wait, yeah. I'm in a good position. I want it to be pulled. So there's like that yeah. element on top of everything else. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun and stimulating. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so somebody's diving into the the game fan campaign. Um, what kind of options do they have for sort of pledging and getting stuck into this and, and picking up different miniatures? You see, you mentioned sort of two player start sets and that kind of stuff. Um, what, what are some of the options that people can choose from? So one of the options are, so there's many options first off. So if we're starting yeah. here at the top, <laughs> let's start it here. Galaxy at War Pledge. Yeah. This is a collection of all of the larger sets that mm-hmm. we're offering in this campaign, the new sets, I should say. These do not mm-hmm. include the original Veil-touched War stuff. Yeah. from the original campaign. So those mm-hmm. who are brand new to this campaign, Ravage Star Tabletop Miniature War Game is the second campaign for Ravage Star. This, what you're looking at right now, Galaxy War Pledge, is all the new big boxes. This doesn't mm-hmm. include some of the extras, like the there's a extra follower mini that you get when you pledge. There's a three additional characters you get when you pledge, not included in this Galaxy War. Those happen in mm-hmm. addition to. Um, there's also each individual war pack that you can get. If you wanted just one, you can. You have that option as well. So we have two Amari-specific war packs. They're each only um, only Amari miniatures, only the space dwarves. Yep. And then you also have the Gorkog, which are the space bugs. <laughs> and then what we're also including is each Veil Touch, which is the original kind of chaos-inspired uh, war packs from the mm-hmm. original campaign. Every war pack from the original campaign we're including in this campaign as oh, well. Brilliant. Well, yeah. Because the molds are already completed yeah, in the yeah. factory. And so people who, who didn't have a chance to pledge during the first campaign were making available here. And people who are just discovering it, they're like, well, it's a product that already exists that we can just simply add to the roster of products because that's mm-hmm. the idea. Over time, we just add more and more. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the new stuff. And we are offering other pledges that 
kind of separate that stuff out and yes. add it together. So there's a massive mm-hmm. pledge that includes every single <laughs> yeah. uh, big box, which mm-hmm. is the, just like, you know, the gods unleashed or whatever it's called. It's massive, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so some, okay, here's the crazy part, man. Many people are getting that one because wow okay we as war gamers we know that it's not uncommon for us to just drop copious amounts of quid coin cash whatever you want to call it <laughs> right blood sweat and tears because it's our escape like we just yeah. dive into this stuff we immerse yeah. ourselves right and so it's one thing for there to be a board game with one thing that people buy and it's another to dive into a war game where there's legions you can swim in, right? So mm-hmm. that's what this is. So going for a moment now, describing the uh, support packs, what these are is when, uh, okay, so going back, there's a lot of stuff, ADHD, once again, okay. There, there so, is a lot of stuff, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you if you want to scroll up, if we want to talk about specific things that, uh, let's let's try to find, here we go, starters. This one here, the Siege of Ankar. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the three two-player starter sets that we have and each one has two armies in it Mm -hmm. and you can engage this way you get a this one comes with every single uh gaming aid so this will come with a rule book some dice some tokens uh measuring tools so you you you, everything you need to play in a box here right Mm -hmm. and there's three of them that we're offering so we're offering a gorkog and a mari one yeah, a veil touched and a Gorkog one, and there is mm-hmm. one more which is a veil touched and an Amari one, mm-hmm. which is floating around here somewhere, um, <laughs> somewhere in this massive list somewhere. of boxes. <laughs> it's somewhere in this massive list. Now, right mm-hmm. here, that Gorkog Plasma Fury Support Pack pledge. Mm-hmm. So, just to explain what that is for a second, some people like this is feedback, by the way. So, a lot of feedback was, "Hey, I, I see the two-player starter sets, and I like the Amari Space Doors, but honestly, man, I don't want to get those bugs." So mm-hmm. could you like make the minis available separated from the starter packs? <laughs> right. That's a very war gamer question, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so here's the thing. We are war gamers. We get it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, all right, let's figure it out. Let's see what we can do here. Talk to the factory, talk to the mold, like, like all this stuff, figure it out. Right. That's what we do. We crunch the math mm-hmm. and we just make it possible. So the Gorkog Plasma Fury support pack, that includes just the Gorkog space bugs from the starter sets. So if you right. don't want to get the other stuff, that's fine. Now, these don't include the gaming aids and all mm-hmm. that stuff that you would get because uh, we're, we're offering that as its own specific thing. Yeah. Uh, rule book, uh, tokens. It's it's a $15 uh, pledge that you can get mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of war packs, right? And to, like, for us to put a rule book and dice and all that in each war pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your, your costs will go nuclear. Cost goes away. It becomes unreasonable because at the end of the day, this does need to be profitable for mm-hmm. us to fast track our way to retail mm-hmm. because that's the ultimate goal is retail. Because we as a we started as a local gaming store, right? Mm-hmm. We support local hobby, so we understand the importance of local thriving communities. And if that isn't supported, then game dies. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're good. We're not going to, we won't be selling it um, uh, direct, right? It's all just going to be fueled through distribution to the trade right to the stores. And then nice. that'll be the, any video that we make, it's like, pick it up at your local gaming store. Like the yeah. way better thing to say than mm-hmm. uh, like come to the website and try to fuel this way and develop this <laughs> yeah. mechanism that uh, we'll have right. to start a branch of mini wargaming for, which honestly, <laughs> like let's use the existing mechanisms that are operating yeah 
really well and just uh, support that because if a distributor is happy because retail uh, trade is getting stuff from them, then they're going to want to support it better too, right? So it's like they get the stuff out faster. They get more, they get the stock and it's there. And and so that just, again, it helps everything. It trickles down. And so that's what this is. This is something that's available. Um, but if you want those specific minis, you can the, just get the them price those. is more yeah, though, cool. right? The price yeah. does come out more because there's been, again, the crunchiness, the math. So there's been some <laughs> war gamers that who, feedback is like, hey, if I get this, it comes out to be a little more than if I were to get the two uh, starter sets. And uh, how how does that make sense? Well, how it makes sense is there's limited, there's a, a minimum qu- quantities right, that yeah. need to be produced yeah. at the factory. And if they don't hit those minimums, then the price per unit goes up. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, in a very literal sense, makes less sense to do it that way <laughs> because yeah. it costs more. Yeah. But um, we're willing to forego some of that extra profit to cater to really the uh, gaming experience of it, especially at the very beginning when we're trying to yeah. kickstart yeah. the idea of this. Yeah, because really, point. we want that's not that's a barrier to entry right there, right? So it's mm-hmm. like if I'm a war gamer and I'm only interested in this. I don't want to have to navigate through the frustration of getting stuff that I don't want. I don't want to yeah. pay for stuff I don't want to pay for. Right. Yeah. So um, boom, done. That's the that's the solution to that. And very cool. Yeah. And then it's it's really like we try to be as transparent as humanly possible because it's like everything is front facing, man. When we say something, like when mm-hmm. something goes wrong, who do they look to for the solution for that? Right. It's like uh, Dave, Matt. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what, what's going on? How do we, how do we fix this? Right. So that's why it's every step of the way. It's like, we are going to fix this and yeah. whatever the problem, potential problem might be. And it's, uh, yeah. And any suggestions on how we can do that? Because, you know, many minds are better than one exactly. or two. Or Very true. Yeah. Right. And there's other people in the industry who have like gone through similar things and other companies that, that we work closely with. And so, yeah, there's a lot of good support from it, from both Very the community nice. yeah. and the other brands and retailers and uh manufacturers of games so it's great it definitely seems like it's gone down very well already as a campaign which is obviously great to see uh so we've learned a little we've learned about the miniatures we've learned about the rules we've learned about the law and some of the background you're working on one final question then dave i mean we could talk to you forever but one (laughs) final question um when the campaign is done and all of the miniatures start getting sent out to people and all that kind of thing and you're working through the rules and that kind of stuff what would be the big next step that you're working on for like where you go? Is it another faction? Is it something entirely different from that? Or what's the the thing beyond the game found campaign that you're looking at at the moment? <laughs> I love this question. I love this question, by the way, because it's like, it's so expansive, which is very uh, symbolic actually of everything that's kind of going on with mini yeah. war game proper, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a complete pivot to our business and what yeah. we do. You know, for a very long time, it's content creation, and now it's game mm-hmm. creation in addition to content creation. So, where do we go from here? We explore the cosmos as the Veil Touch do. That's their lore, nice. right? They're space yeah. explorers, and they they yeah. go, they go, they chart the galaxy, and that's what the Veil is. The yeah. Veil is the shimmering wall, wall that Davik has found, and he's like, "What's that wall?" Okay, <laughs> the Vanguard are like, uh, "Don't go through that wall, man." And Davik is like, well, you know, I have a propensity to rebel. 
at every step of the way. So you tell me not to go, it's going to make me want to go more. My hand yeah. is already through the veil, man. It's already, hey, guys, right. it's already, Don't it's go through the wall. All right, in, and Might as well go the rest of the way, right? Right. Yeah. So, and that's what the veil is, which is actually a prison for another god, a goddess Ooh. of fear, Strock. Everyone becomes touched by the veil. In other words, influenced by Strock. And then they come out and they're now preaching the word of Strock and spreading fear in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> what's our next step to spread fear in the galaxy no 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 <laughs> um but our next step is to just make more factions yeah absolutely cool. right like what are we talking about space vampire elf undead faction maybe um maybe some orc space and uh something there uh you something, know maybe an elemental yeah. race so i was talking yeah. to liam dempsey yesterday and we're talking about potential factions right because yeah. that's what we, it's a fun thing uh, mm-hmm. to just talk about ideas and what you'd want to see and He's talking about his thing, which is like a space Viking specific. It's like, it's a live cool. stream. So people have seen it. I'm not giving away a secret. Um, <laughs> it's a secret live stream that was public. Uh, oh, I, I want a, <laughs> a big, brutal space monkey army. <laughs> space monkey army. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it. See, th- that, that's what I'm talking about. Because it's like, if, if there's pocket dimensions that exist, which there are, if there's a uh, magic, which there is, then really... Your imagination takes you and they're kind of you're in that cosmic sandbox you can build whatever castle you want right yeah and so that's what you do in your imagination and if it's shared online which is encouraged mm-hmm. then it's just this swirling ball of like cosmic energy that we're all contributing to and Brilliant. then whatever like maelstroms of uh bolts yeah. go out different places they hit where they hit <laughs> and then stuff happens stuff is manifested right mm-hmm. three-step process thinking speaking doing what we're, th- we're thought about it we're talking a lot about it right now. We've done it a little bit and we're doing it a lot more. So Brilliant. that's cool. the idea. William, the, so the veil is your oyster, some might say. Uh, but yes, if you are diving into this, make sure to go and check out the links down below in the comments uh, to Ravage Star from the folks at Mini Board Gaming. It looks amazing. Can't wait to see where it goes next. Thanks for chatting with us, Dave. It's been brilliant. Uh, we're going to take a quick swish. And when we come back, we'll be looking at some more crowdfunding campaigns. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim center over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. And we're back and we're going to be diving into some crowdfunding campaigns. Ooh, yes, lovely stuff. Uh, We are starting things off with Tiger Miniatures, who are running their Base Boost 3D printable terrain for fantasy and sci-fi games Kickstarter. They're wrong. There's no exclamation mark on there. (laughs) God damn you. But this is a uh, Kickstarter which is going to give you the ability to 3D print over 4,300 STL bases, toppers, rollers, bonus miniatures, terrain decorations, and magnetized bases for use in your various war games. So when you dive into this one, you're going to be able to get yourself a variety of different themed sets. So there is the Fantasy Forest, the Pirate Island, City Ruins, and the the Sci-Fi AI experiment and the Necropolis dungeon. And throughout all of those different sets, you're going to get a variety of different options for you to choose from when it comes to your bases. Uh, you can go for your classic toppers that you would sit on top of other bases. You can get magnetized ones with a little hole in the bottom. 
love a little hole in the bottom you've also got the flat bottom ones and those with the sort of rims around the side as well and then amongst that too you've got different sizes and designs so you've got hexes you've got large rounds you've got ovals you've got the uh, sort of like ones that you see a lot of people using for cavalry in their games of uh, like one forty thousand and things you'd see bikes on and that kind of stuff as well and all of them are incredibly well detailed as you can see uh, with lots of different bits and pieces in there as you go so yeah if you keep scrolling down share you'll see even more from these different sets and what's included in these so we'll just go through (laughs) <laughs> here we see the Warhammer Fantasy miniature in its natural habitat Earth <laughs> uh, I think one of the nice things about this is that it, it's one of those areas of potentially miniatures design that you tend that tend people tend to forget. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time, you'll spend so much time putting effort into actually painting your miniatures that when it comes to the bases, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to throw some flock on it, and I don't care anymore. Uh, um, gravel whereas, flock done. Yeah. <laughs> whereas this, I think, takes you in a different direction, and and you know, sculpted bases aren't something necessarily very new, but it's nice to have the option to do a lot more of that stuff now through 3D printing. Yep. So you know, you take out the um, the sort of hassle of having to get it shipped over and all that kind of good stuff That's and getting it in resin and that kind an of odd one, the brown one that breaks into I, four. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Imagine put, oh weird. you could put your um like your your moonstone like yes. sort of like four of your big characters from Moonstone oh. onto it, so they're all like stood back to back. That would yeah, be cool. cool. Yeah. Like the the pirate collection. Mm-hmm. The the pirates that Moonstone have. Mm-hmm. That might even be a cool yeah. diorama base would be nice. Oh yeah. Keeping yeah. all four together. Mm, that would be that. Oh, ideas forming. We're selling it to ourselves, <laughs> but we're selling it to anyone else. No. Yeah. Well, you, John, if you can sell it to yourself, you can sell it to someone else. Yeah. Oh you, no, you, because I can't sell tanks to other people, but I can certainly sell them to myself. Well, <laughs> yeah, buy tanks for yourself. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, John, you guys this is secretly want- an intervention. You guys are certainly the ones with uh, a new fancy 3D printer in the office, so you never know. You might well, it, uh, it hasn't arrived room. just yet. Oh, not just it's yet. It's meant oh. to be on the way with the 12K oh, okay. print bed, and we're meant to be getting the washing and curing station as well. So wow. we'll, we'll oh, see is how it, that goes. Is it 3D printing the truck that it arrives on? Is that why it's taking so long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, I, I have seen them 3D print a bridge where the, the 3D printer literally is moving across the bridge as it 3D prints it. Wow. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's a whole host of really fun little options and stuff in here as well. And as I say, you know, if you're looking for something to really enhance an army, having the ability to 3D print yourself a, a, a vast section of bases like this and either, you know, use them on top of the bases that they help you with or, you know, getting stuff that from your own collection and things like that and just throwing them into the mix, I think is really cool. The other thing that comes with 3D printing as well is, of course, you can customize things as well, which is always a nice way of going. And you get so, bonus you know, rat. Bonus rats. It's survival. Survivor pal. Survivor pal. Survivals. It's survival. Survivals. I see what they survival's do. Yeah, this, this is my pet. Uh, I named him Emergency Ration. <laughs> uh, I really like the Necropolis dungeon stuff. I think that's, that's cool. super cool. Um, obviously, with Dungeon Alia. Dungeon Alia coming up Ooh, very, very soon, start of December. Maybe some of this stuff would be very nice for you to um, put your heroes and villains and monsters and everything else in between on. That could be very I, nice. I feel Jerry twitching already. <laughs> well, I mean, for for if you're playing like a board game dungeon crawler, he's mm-hmm. not so bad. And it was something I was thinking of, if I do get involved, I would like to do something small and light. So maybe the, the basics of, you know, what's the classic quintessential uh, dungeon party? <laughs> Yeah, that could work for nice. a second. I'm sorry. Yeah, perfect, perfect wordplay there. Support you every step of the way. 
it's almost like they made a 3D printing joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that one hurt a little bit. Um, but yeah, these are the, uh, the the folks that have done some really nice stuff in the past and worked together on a variety of different projects. So have you seen things like the Scylla Legion that we saw last week and uh, and some of the other um, projects and things that we've looked at over the last couple of months? You know that these folks and uh, the, the, the people that they work with have been working very, very well when it comes to 3D uh, printing stuff. And so they're always there to help you with your pledges and get yep. things out into the mix, which is always good. So, yeah. There you go. A bonus miniature from Daka Daka Store. Amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, make sure to go and check this one out. Uh, the base boost 3D printable terrain for fantasy and sci-fi games, packed full of bases for you to dive into. And of course, this is the competition prize for this week. So if you want to get yourself the base boost base set, <laughs> <laughs> so that pledge, you have to be a backer and you have to be commenting on on tabletop.com. As Jerry would say, I've told you once. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Uh, did you just have to like run through your head going seashells, seashells by the seashore? Yes, in in wargaming form. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so make sure you are a backer and you head over to ontable.com. And if you are lucky, you will get picked from the comments and win your pledge. All you got to do is put "I'm a backer." in the uh, comments. Uh, but if you put, I'm a base boost, base set backer, then you'll get extra points. No, you won't. But it's it's cool <laughs> if you do that. So yeah, <laughs> very nice. Uh, moving away from bases for miniatures, probably 28 mil and 32 mil, uh, we are looking at something equally awesome, but in a smaller scale, a more epic scale, you might say. This is Akron's Fall from Rampa Design, which we looked at a couple of months ago in a Let's Play and an interview from the, the folks there with their designer. This is a two to eight player ship battle game that is set in Corvus Belly's Infinity universe. And it is looking super cool. And it is also incredibly well funded. <laughs> Who would have thought it, right? <laughs> uh, so in this game, you're going to be taking control of ships from the human sphere, or you might be taking uh, on the, the forces of the combined instead and you're going to be battling it out in the stars with a very in-depth and intricate uh, system of crew management and power management and that kind of thing as you battle it out in a proper fleet battle style game uh, similar to those ones you might have seen in the past from like Battlefleet Gothic and that kind of stuff as well um, it looks super cool comes with really nice models that represent a variety of the different factions uh, and as I say there was a let's play on it which uh, we put out not too long ago which is well worth checking out if you want to learn a little bit more about the game uh, you you were particularly enamored by the vectored movement I believe Justin so. yeah well it's if well if you actually scroll up a little bit here you can see the actual movement board there mm -hmm. so that down a little that actually tracks the inertia of your vessel as yeah. you're powering yourself about and as you're rotating yourself. So mm -hmm. object in motion stays in motion in space. Mm -hmm. like keeping track of that and keeping it managed and just doing the housekeeping, this is a really nice, elegant little way that they've done it. And then having your, your shipboards as well, having that that thing of as you're taking damage, it's not just knocking big hunks of hull plate off. It's just like, well, there goes an airlock and Bob, Bob, get back here. <laughs> blown out an airlock and oh crap now I have to run this gun on my own so the actual <laughs> crew management and the actual shifting of the different power and stuff and actually planning ahead this is a very deep tactical game but it's mm -hmm. not heavy in it the mechanics are really really clean so mm. this is definitely one that I want to get a go at Jerry is the one who played it and I was you know kind of biting my knuckle going I wish it was me <laughs> 
It's cool that it's got that uh, sort of, as they call it, inertial inertial mass effect movement system in there. I am E. I am E. Lovely. That just sounded so Italian. Just I am E. I am E. But yeah, it's uh, it's a really uh, fun and interesting looking game that I think is a nice way for them to. Um, sort of build on the infinity universe as well what because it makes sense that you'd have big badass ship combat in the game mm. uh, and being able to play around the different factions and their abilities and the way that they work and then also working in lots of new mechanics that they've come up with is really nice as well ramper design do some really fun uh games like they did uh takure which is like their sci-fi sports rugby game which was really cool mm. uh, and so they definitely got like a little pedigree when it comes to game design which is always nice look, to see. one thing i want to see from this if they ever get the chance to do it is like a derelict original colony ship Ooh, yeah that would yeah. be very very cool um when it comes to the yeah, actual from the infinite uh, universe because i mean the, the old backstory of them being like the first ones out yeah Come yeah on, I, I see what you mean yes with the expansion <laughs> of the human sphere and stuff yeah it's very cool <laughs> uh when it comes to the actual campaign itself there are a variety of different options for you to choose from so there is the core set that you can pick up which comes with ships from a variety of the different factions from the human sphere so you've got pan oceana yujing as well in there which is quite nice uh, and then you get the combined ships that they can go up against um and as you might have imagined by the name itself, this is all about Acheron's fall itself. Uh, and so forming part of the Acheron blockade as you try and make sure that the human sphere is kept safe from the combined authorities. Um, there are also some uh, expansion sets as well. If you want to bring back up the page. Oh, fine. I was ready. Oh. So there's the core set, as I said there, which is really nice and a good way for you to get started. But then if you scroll down to... Um, there you go. Lovely stuff. Uh, keep going down. Oh, you can see that now, actually. Uh, there are two uh, sort of expansion sets that come with additional uh, ships for the human sphere. So you get to see things like the Ariadna ships and stuff in there as well, which is really cool. It's called like Blockade bro- blockade Breakers, which is epic as they sort of smashing through things. And then you also get, of course, more villainous combined ships to throw into the mix as well, which is very cool. Um, but yeah. As I say, Ashron's full on uh, Game Fine right now. By the time you're watching this, there's only going to be about five days left on this campaign. So if you do not want to miss out on this, make sure to go and check it out. Um, as I say, if you want to learn a little bit more about the game, make sure to watch the Let's Play uh, that uh, Jerry did. And also there's an interview with Ramper Design too. Um, see what you think of those. And uh, yeah, get backing if you're ready to dive into the Infinity Universe from a very different point of view. Um, I should say as well, uh, before we move away from the Kickstarter segment the base boost Kickstarter has about 18 days left on it so if you would like to look at that one plenty of time after that. plenty of time on that one uh, but there we go I think I think we're done for another week wow how cool is that we wow. did it we got through it without Jerry it's okay the world barely is if you are wanting to look at uh, even more madness and our wonderful faces, uh, then make sure to come on over to ontabletop.com on Sunday and get yourself either a free trial or just become part of the Cult of Games and subscribe. And you'll be able to watch our wonderful XLBS show where we talk about all things hobby and everything else in between. I believe we may even wax lyrical about Dungeonalia and we might also dive into some stuff about Napoleonics. I mean, if... if- if last week's one was anything to go by where we just barely talked about miniatures at all. <laughs> Let me talk about going to car boot sales and you going yeah. to car boot sales too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the caliber of stuff you get in Cult of Games. <laughs> um, Premium. Make, 
Uh, but make sure to go and check that out as well. As I say, if you get yourself one of those free trials, you'll be able to dive into the back catalogue of everything else that we've been working on as well over the last little while. John has got a very awesome uh, behind-the-scenes uh, series where he looks at building a Swedish force uh, for Team Yankee, so make sure to go and check that out. Part two should be coming fairly soon for that one, mm-hmm. so watch out for that. Uh, but yeah, if you don't want to join us for Cultural Games, make sure to come back next week on Friday for more from The Weekender. Jerry will be back, don't worry, and everything will be back to normal, he says. Don't panic. Don't panic. Right. Hello. <laughs> Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.